So I want to invite Audrey up here, um, who is going to, yeah. Audrey's going to come up, and she is going uh, to give us our Remember verse this morning. So, um, say this okay. Um, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, joy peace, peace, forbearance, forbearance kindness, goodness, goodness, faithfulness, faithfulness gentleness, gentleness, and self-control. Yes, you did it so much better than I. Thank you. All right. And kids, I'm going to invite you to, to go back uh, to your parents as you hear more. And as you um, wonder what confirmation, we talked about this at the beginning of service, is that this is a special Sunday for us. Um, this is Confirmation Sunday. And confirmation in the life of PLCC is a, is a year-long journey where we walk with students, eighth grade and up, in what it looks like to find and follow Jesus together. It's an integral part to what it looks like to deep dive in to discipleship. And one of the key distinctives is that we don't do discipleship alone, but we do it with peers and in a multi-generational set. And so we actually, every confirmation student has a mentor that walks alongside an adult that is able to ask questions, learn to trust them, to build a relationship, and, and understand that it is not something that you have to figure out, but you journey together. And so as we do that every year, we have confirmation students that come and they share their story. So take a look at the video on the screen of our confirmation student story. Uh, my name is Caden Chakrabarty. I'm in ninth grade at Issaquah High School, and my family is me, my mom, my dad, and my dog, Puck. I was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania in 2007. I moved to Washington in 2015, and I've been going to PLCC for eight years. Uh, I like to play hockey and play video games on my computer and hang out with my friends. Uh, I've been playing hockey for about 10 years. Um, I love scoring goals and getting big hits, and last year I played at an academy called Atlantic Coast Academy in Boston, Massachusetts, and I lived there by myself with all my roommates for about six months. Uh, to do confirmation, me, Larry, and Mark, like every week we would do alpha youth videos over Zoom, and that was just a lot of fun to get to know Larry a lot more because I didn't really know him before, and it was also just a different experience and a nice break from everything going on in the academy. One thing I liked about Alpha was the analogies that they had. Like This one analogy was about a pilot light saying that everybody has the opportunity to love God or be loved by God. You just have to figure out how to turn that light on and get going. Um, To my family, I want to say thank you and I love you, and... Thank you for the experience over the past six months and letting me, letting your boy go to Massachusetts to play hockey all by himself. I also want to thank Larry for letting me get to know him and I'm excited for that birdhouse and all his stories that he shared over the past couple months. One last thing, just remember anytime you fall, God will always be there to pick you back up.
All right, uh, Larry and Caden, I want to invite you both up to uh, to, to share a little bit more about uh, this experience that we've been through together uh, these last several months of, of confirmation. So, um, first, this is uh, this is Caden, the kid that just did the backflip on the screen in person. You know, so uh, pretty good. So, um, we just want to share a little bit about what confirmation is and why it's so integral to uh, to the life of the church here at Pine Lake Covenant Church. And so, um, Larry. Those birdhouses, they're famous. Uh, we got one of them outside on the table. You can go check it out uh, at the at the end of service. But um, when you think about this this idea that started nine years ago, making birdhouses, um, why did you choose to do that, and and why do you continue to do that? What's the significance? Uh, well, it started uh, when we left uh, Alexander's down on the lake and moved up here, and uh, we found a birdhouse in our shrubbery. An old one, and uh, I decided to repair it and uh, put it up. I did that, and then I thought, you know, it'd be a good idea to make one for our grandkids. And I made one for one of the grandkids, and I said, I can't stop there. I, we got twelve of them, so we <laughs> we went we went on with more birdhouses. And then I thought, I think I'd make one from the confirmation guys because I had we. This is the thirteenth year of confirmation, and uh, it's been nine years with birdhouses. The first few years didn't get birdhouses, and I look back on that, and I kind of, I'm not going to go back and make them, but I wish, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm thinking right now of uh, Andrew Weisgarber, who was one in the second confirmation class, and um, he was interested in airplanes now, but he's flying F-18s up at Whitby right now, and he's, in fact, he's out on the Pacific on a carrier out there, and I wish I would have made him an F-18, uh, that would have been great, but anyway, uh, Caden, it was... Uh, he mentioned the hockey rink. And uh, during the school year, that which confirmation lasts, uh, I get to know these boys and know what their interests are and develop a theme. And Cody's sitting out there, and I, along with some other confirmation boys, they got their birdhouses of things that they were interested in. Well, I figured that out during the year. But, you know, with, with Caden, it took me one day because he, he mentioned hockey, I think, the first words I heard from him. So I knew that hockey was going to be on, the, on his birdhouse. So good. So, good. so just so you know. Confirmation is for both our guys and our girls. We had no girls that wanted to go through it this year. So we got to change that next year because, uh, Caden, not only do you get a birdhouse and is the symbol of Larry praying for you and loving you all, all year, but um, you have someone that knitted you a blanket, an afghan. Um, Dodie was the one that knitted for you. Literally every stitch, she says, is a prayer for you. And, and you see this giant afghan. I want to invite everybody to check it out at the end of service. Uh, as this this tangible way that people are covering you in prayer. Well, what is that like for you to, to receive these things as symbols uh, of people caring so deeply for you? Uh, yeah, it's really nice to know that people are caring about me, and the blanket's nice because it's going to keep me warm in the East Coast cold. <laughs> and the birdhouse is nice because... We've actually had birds in our backyard before, so I think we should get a bird in there. Hope so. <laughs> so good. So, Caden, uh, we started confirmation when you were on the East Coast. We met on Zoom once a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was awesome. You're back here in March. And then uh, we invited a couple other of our high school guys to, to come, and we formed a little small group the last six weeks. Um, but, Caden, this is a really important step in your faith, but also it's just like another step in the faith uh, in the journey of faith. But if you were to have a conversation with another student that might be considering going through confirmation, uh, what would you say to them? Um, I'd say 100% you should do it. Larry's a really fun, funny guy. 
And his stories are a lot of fun too. So good. Those stories, they, they, they're endless too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The older you get, the better you were. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kate, you gave us this, uh, this analogy. It's so, so good of, of this little pilot light, right? It came from Alpha Youth. Uh, it's the analogy that, that everybody has the opportunity to have this little pilot light lit in their lives, uh, of this flame that God is fanning in your life. And so when you kind of take a survey of uh, where you are now in your life, scale from 1 to 10, 1 being that pilot light's not even lit right now, 10 it's like it's about to burn down the house in a good way, uh, where where are you? Like where where is your faith at this point? Uh, I'd probably say a 6 like with a campfire, you just threw in a bunch of fresh wood and it's about to start burning. Mm, so good. On the cusp of something. Mm. Yeah. We, we affirm that, yes. right? I like that. That, that yeah. feels, that feels really accurate yeah. to what, what this year has been. And so, um, Larry, you've got to, to, to really journey with, with Caden this whole year. Um, how have you seen him grow? Well, it's interesting in that, um, I, it's hard to say this because I've got other confirmation boys sitting out there and I'm here, I'm building Caden up and I don't mean to down you guys at all. <laughs> you guys were good. Uh, I, and, uh, same kind of thing with Caden. They came, he came into this really well prepared. Uh, there wasn't a Christianity 101 that had to been, be given. He, he was solid in his faith, exploring it, but still solid in his faith. And that's what I've noticed. Caden has just stayed solid through this whole thing. I appreciate that, Caden. Yeah. Kaden, as uh, we celebrate you as a church today, uh, I also want to speak some words over you that that, uh, that I've prepared uh, on behalf of the church that is uh, is really just this culmination of um, of this experience for you. And then uh, and then Larry is going to pray for you, and we'll continue on with our morning. Uh, it says this: Caden, you are a competitor. You want to be the best. God has instilled in you an incredibly humble heart. With a flame within. I pray that that flame is lit and it would be stoked into a fire. I pray that that fire would fuel you to fight hard against selfishness and pride. To fuel a heart that cares deeply for others and a longing after God. With a capacity to love really, really well. And that you would carry that fire to hockey rinks near and far and to everywhere you go. So, Caden, as a church community, uh, we want to uh, to lay hands on you. Um, and so, if you would, church, would you extend a hand to uh, to Caden, and then Larry is going to uh, to offer prayer for Caden. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for the opportunity that Mark and I have had, really, to be with Caden once a week. Uh, a little bit different this year. We did it on uh, Zoom in, in Boston, but yet Caden again is faithful. He was there. And I, I thank you for this faithfulness that's exemplified in, in Caden. And may this just continue. Thank you for his parents, their, their, their input into his life. Nothing that we do is contrary to that. We just want to reinforce it. And, and Caden has been very receptive. So we commit him to you, continue to follow him in his walk with you, and that he would continue to grow and serve you and just know Jesus better. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, can we celebrate Caden this morning? (laughs) 
Well, really, the, the centerpiece of Confirmation Sunday is uh, the opportunity to, to receive communion together. Um, and so Caden and Larry will, will be serving communion in, in just a moment uh, alongside the pastors. But uh, I want to reflect briefly on a passage that, um, that Caden actually uh, chose as one that has deeply shaped him throughout uh, not only his life, but, but this year. And so um, the passage is um, from uh, Luke chapter 15. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to that. Um, uh, maybe you know this story, the story of the prodigal son. And uh, this story is one that, uh, that really is a, a parable, many parables that Jesus offered, of uh, a story that has a deeper meaning about faith. And, uh, and so part of what confirmation, the experience of confirmation is, is this, we, uh, this year-long discipleship journey. And so um, one of the, the things that we do is we not only read the Bible together, but uh, we learn how to read the Bible, to give students together tools so that they know uh, and they will continue to be able to, to read scripture and to engage in their faith for the rest of their lives. And so, um, and so one of the things that comes up oftentimes, like a question with students is, uh, where do the titles and the chapters and the, the verse numbers come from uh, in scripture? And actually, like, those were added later, right? Like, those were added with different translations. Uh, they, those were added later on, really just to help organize. And so, uh, so maybe for many of us, if you have your, your Bible, you see Luke chapter 15, the, the the latter half of it is labeled uh, or titled the prodigal son. And and so uh, if you know this story, uh, it's one that is really, it has transcend, uh, transcends Christianity because there's so many other cultures or even traditions that have uh, grasped onto a story like this. And yet it's deeply biblical, uh, right? There's one dad, two sons. Uh, the youngest son goes, uh, asks for his inheritance. He goes off, uh, squanders it ends up in a, uh, a pit with some cat, or excuse me, with some pigs, and has this moment where he realizes that he doesn't belong there, that he belongs back with his dad. And so he has this thought, even if I can just work as a hired hand for my dad, I could have a spot in the home again. And so he has this, this change of heart, this turn of heart. He, he goes, and he, uh, he is able to... Uh, find where his dad lives, right? Return to his home. And before he can even get to the house, what happens, right? The dad sees him coming. And this was so inappropriate for, uh, for like the patriarchs in this community to do that. He like throws down what he was doing. Like they were wearing robes, like hikes up his robe and starts running after his son, his son who was lost, who was coming back home. And not only that, he goes and gets the, the finest robe and uh, his ring, puts it on his son, and says, let's throw a giant party because my son who was lost has now been found. And the, the thing about this story is that the older brother is watching all of this, and he has some different feelings about what's going on. Uh, than the dad does. And, and I want to look at that in, in just a moment. But uh, when I think about titles of this passage, uh, I want to I throw three different possible titles of, of what this scripture, this parable could be, and, uh, and together see if we can come up with uh, how deeply uh, formative this passage can be for, for us. And so uh, this first title uh, is, is maybe one that is used in most of our Bibles and most of our translations, right? The prodigal son. It's really focused on uh, 
this, uh, this three, these three parables are really focused on in Luke chapter 15, something being lost and then found, right? Uh, there's a sheep, there's a coin, and then there's a son. Um, in modern day times, okay, this water bottle has literally been sitting in the lost and found in the youth room for three years, right? This lonely little donkey, right? Like kids, it, some of you Kairos kids, when you're like in, in Pine Lake Youth, it'll probably still be there because no one still claimed it, right? This lonely little donkey, it's still there, right? But there's, there's something about like this imagery of, of something being lost and then being rightfully returned to the owner, restored to the one in which you belong. And so the prodigal son is that story. It's the, it's really, that title focuses on that younger son of going off, having a change of heart, and then coming back to the father, and the father receiving him with open arms. But, uh, but another title I want to throw at you is, is option number two, the two sons. The reason why I like this is because it really reclaims the fact that both of those brothers were lost. And I would even venture to say that that second son was maybe even more lost than the first. And here's why. Uh, uh, Pastor Tim Keller, who recently uh, has just passed away, um, he, uh, he says it this way, and I think it's so key in his seminal work, The Prodigal God. He says, this is what the elder brother in the parable should have done. This is what a true elder brother would have done. He would have said, Father, my younger brother has been a fool and now his life is in ruins. But I will go for him and bring him back home. And if the inheritance is gone, as I expect, I'll bring him back into the family at my expense. Right? In these other two parables in, in Luke 15, there's this desperation of the shepherd finding, searching for that lost sheep to bring it back into the fold of the 99. Or there's this woman who's searching the whole house for this one lost coin. She sweeps the whole house and when she finds it, she celebrates. And, and this story is a little bit different because it's not, uh, God searching after, uh, after, uh, the son that goes, but, but really it would be the brother that if he was being true to his family, but not only his family, to to his faith, that he would say, I'm going to do whatever it takes to bring that man back into the fold. Bring that boy back into the family. I love these... Uh, I love the way in which um, Scripture has a way of just bringing something to life in, uh, in a story through parable. Um, and in this parable, uh, the older brother... It says this about the older brother in uh, Luke chapter 15, verse 28. It says, The older brother became angry and refused to go in. This week, uh, we have a lot of our uh, college students that are, you know, returning back from college or here working for the summer or whatever. And so I had opportunity to, to sit down with uh, quite a few of our college students. Um, and, I, and I actually threw this question at them. I was like, hey, Confirmation Sunday is coming up. Um, and uh, I, I'm just curious. Like, I haven't seen you. I've been a part of a, your life for a long time, but I haven't seen you in a year, or maybe a year plus. Uh, story of the prodigal son. Like, how does this relate to you and your life right now? And, and I think so often, right, for many of our college students, we feel like uh, we're kind of in this, this lane of, of the prodigal or the younger brother where we, because of whatever, just get so far pushed away from God that we don't even really know what it means or how to turn back and return to God. 
I was sitting with another student this this uh, this week, and he's just t- talking about how like his faith feels so strong, but sometimes it's this this apathy or even a pride that like gets in the way, just as the older brother experienced in not truly being able to experience the fullness of the celebration that his father was extending to him. And so I want to uh, I want to look at this uh, this last. Um, title. I want to throw this last title at you. Um, title number three. Uh, I really, what I really wanted to put up there is the party animal and the party pooper, but I didn't, I didn't, I did this. I said, the son who says yes. The son who says yes. And, and really what this parable is, it's, a, it's an example or it's a, a metaphor or a story of God Inviting us to say yes to him. To return back to him. Trey and I do a lot of reading. Um, and uh, this is one of his favorite books right now. And I'm actually going to read it because I timed it. It's going to take me less than two minutes to read this. This book is called Ono oh oh George. Anybody ever heard of Ono oh George? Right? Ono oh George. Harry is going out. Harry, will you be good? Or Will you be good, George? Asked Harry. Yes, George, I'll be very good. I hoped I'll, I hope I'll be good, George thinks. George sees something in the kitchen. It's cake. I said I'd be good, George thinks, but I love cake. What will George do? Oh no, George. You can see like, this is, uh, this is gonna get good, right? <laughs> what does George see now? It's cat. I'd said I'd be good, George thinks, but I love to play with cat. What will George do? Oh no, George. George chasing cat. What does George see now? Some lovely dirt. I said I'd be good, George thinks, but I love to dig in the dirt. What will George do? Help me out, help me out. Oh no, George! Harry is back. Hello, Harry. Great to see you. George, what have you done? You've ruined the place. And how on earth did you eat a whole cake? I said I'd be good, George thinks. I'd hoped I'd be good, but I wasn't. What will George do? I'm sorry, George says. I want to give you my favorite toy. Thank you, George, says Harry. Why don't we go out for a nice walk? Great. George loves to go out. There are so many things to see and do. Uh Uh-oh, George sees a cake. Will he eat it? No. George goes straight past. Well done, George. George sees some lovely dirt. Will Will he have a little dig? No. Well done, George. George doesn't even try to chase cat. Even Cat is a little surprised. Something smells very interesting. What can it be? It's a trash can. There's nothing George likes more than digging in trash. What will George do? George? And the book ends. Go, go here with me and then we're done. This is really how 
this story of the prodigal son ends. Jesus leaves his audience telling his audience this story. He leaves the audience hanging. It's genius though. He leaves them with a choice. Really, he leaves them uh, with this choice that the, old, that the older son has. Leaves him with the invitation, right? The party's going on inside. Dad comes out to try and get the older son to come in. He's angry. He's bitter. And it says this, My son, the father, said, You have always been with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive, was lost. And now found. I love this because Jesus invites us to read ourselves into the story to make that same decision that the older brother was called to make. To humble himself and to say yes to the invitation to come into the banquet. And isn't that true for each one of us now? Isn't that true of what this experience is of of confirmation? But the experience of following Jesus for the rest of our life, it's simply just saying yes to the invitation that Jesus, through his life and his death and ultimately glorified resurrection, extends to us to give us life everlasting. And so how we practice that as Christians, uh, there's a couple things. Number one, we just respond by saying, Lord, I want to give my life to you. I want you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Another way that we do that is receive communion as this tangible example and tangible response of hope. Of life found in Christ. And another way that we practice that is is baptism. Of seeing the change inwardly that happens when when Jesus becomes the Lord of our lives, that, that it's an outward expression of that hope that we find in Christ. And so for some of us in this room, some students already have decided that they'll uh, that they'll enter into the baptism waters later on this summer, August 6th or 13th, and, and maybe that's an invitation for you. But whatever it is, that same question that, that George was faced with, what will George do? Put your name here. Like, what will, what will you do? It's Jesus is calling you to respond to the faithful call to come to the banquet. Will you say yes? Will you join me in prayer? God, thank you for the gift it is to be able to, to celebrate Caden and his life, but, but also take an inventory of each one of our own lives of the ways in which you are calling each one of us back home to you. So Lord, in very simple ways, deeply profound ways, may we be people who say yes to life with you, to faithfully find and follow you with all we have. So we ask these things. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. It's so awesome to be able to turn to communion now uh, as this banquet table that we just read about in Luke chapter 15. That we, each of us, are invited to this banquet table to receive the elements as an active, tangible expression of God's love for us. So which do you relate to? Son number one or son number two?
is this a returning moment that is, is really important for you to come back to the Father? Or is this a moment where you humble yourself in a posture and say, God, I thought I've been about you, but I haven't really been about you. But I want to be about you. I think the opportunity to approach this table is one that gives us this tangible experience of what it is to receive the love of God.